10,000 dick pics. <laughs> By uh, Brett Favre. Yeah. From a snowy Calgary this afternoon, we welcome you to this 455th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Hope all is well from wherever you may be listening to our little program, and we certainly appreciate when you do. We've had a great week of shows, a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, the biggest topic still from the wonderful and wacky world of sports, I think superseding the Super Bowl has been the passing of Kobe Bryant and eight others, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, last Sunday in Calabasas, California. But as we put a wrap on this week of shows here on Unscripted with the two of us, it's our Free Forum Friday, and you know what we do. Chris goes on to our Twitter account, finds what people are talking about. We talk about it here and then move on to the next topic. It's been a great way and continues to be a great way to put a good wrap on a good week of shows. And having said that, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, my friend, Mr. Fluke. Thanks, Mike. Let's get right into it. Andy Nesbitt at A Nesbitt. Just a reminder... The Super Bowl should be starting in a few hours on the night that makes the most sense for it to be played, Saturday night. I completely agree. Your thoughts? You and I talked about this years ago here on Unscripted, and I am of the belief, I am of the true belief, folks, that the Super Bowl should be played at the same time it is on Sunday, but make it Saturday night. Because then you can drink your face off, you can party, you can do your things, and can you imagine the after-Super Bowl party, especially at a place where the Super Bowl is being played this year down in South Beach, oh, yeah. Miami, oh, wow. FLA. That would be unbelievable, and I can't believe, well, I can believe because Jane Goodell's husband is a moron, but I just can't believe this hasn't been instituted. What a way to have the awards, you know, like the Saturday, like they're doing tonight, have that done on Friday, and then have the game played Saturday. At the, the game, the, I mean, I just think there are so many positives with this. Um, you know, in the states anyway, it's an unofficial it's an unofficial holiday, which Super Bowl Sunday is, and a lot of people will call in with these mysterious illnesses, especially in cities like oh, let's see, San Francisco and Kansas City, depending on who wins the game, and even in the losers because the losers will be distraught and they'll have to drink their sorrows away. You're not going to get anything done on Monday, especially in those two cities anyway. Move the game back to Saturday. Let them party, party, party. And then they have Sunday to, you know, get it back together. And maybe they're back and coherent by, you know, 9 a.m. Monday morning. I think there are so many positives to having the game Saturday. You'd have, an, you know, I just, I just don't see why the NFL hasn't thought about this. Chris and I talked about this years ago on Unscripted. I... I talked. I got to. I got to take it one step further. I talked about this 25 years ago on my radio show that I thought it would be just advantageous to everybody involved to have the the Super Bowl game on Saturday night. People have, you know, it, it's. It, I, I just think for the viewership at home, and then obviously the people, the lucky 80,000 that are going to be at Pro Player Stadium or 
what they call it now, Hard Rock Stadium down in, in Miami, FLA. I think there'd be a lot of benefits to having the game on Saturday. Um, the only competition on the television would be Hockey Night in Canada, uh, for Canadians anyway. But for the Super Bowl, a one-time thing happens only once a year. I think that they should really seriously look at moving the game to Saturday night. I think there's many, many, many more benefits to doing it then than Sunday night. All right, I agree. Jason Kander at Jason Kander. A few weeks back, Patrick Mahomes and his girlfriend were having dinner at a pizza place near their home in Kansas City. Obviously, everyone there recognized them, but nobody interrupted them at all, allowing them to enjoy a peaceful meal. They paid their bill and started to head out the door, and still nobody is jumping up to ask for a selfie or an autograph or anything. Pat stops at the door, turns back, and everyone looks up. He says to the entire restaurant, Thanks for letting us enjoy our dinner. This is why I love Kansas City. You guys are awesome. After he and Brittany left, it was revealed that they had paid the bill for every table. Oh, my God. It's a nice story. It's a great story. And, you know, that is a football city. That is, a you know, um, I have sat in Green Bay many times, especially two or three times in my recollection in the Brett Favre Steakhouse right down from Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And I have been in the Brett Favre Steakhouse when Brett Favre walked in and Brett Favre couldn't do anything. Brett Favre couldn't get a drink. He couldn't get a dinner. He couldn't do anything because people are asking for autograph. You know, um, I know that these are our celebrities and these are the the people that that we idolize and, and cherish their athletic abilities. But you know what, folks? They're also human beings. And they have a right to a private life, too. And I am very impressed. Now, it certainly helps when Patrick Mahomes picks up the tab for everybody. That's a very nice gesture. By, I think, by this time next year, will be the highest paid player in the National Football League. Oh, yeah. By far. Yeah. And deservedly so. Yeah. But, you know, these guys, you know, it's funny. I I use the story of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, when he was at the top of his profession, leading the Bulls to six championships and six tries in the 90s, Michael Jordan in Chicago couldn't go anywhere without, you know, getting pestered and getting bothered and all this other stuff. And it got to the point that Michael Jordan never left his downtown townhouse, especially after he divorced his wife, Juanita, and his whole life was basketball. And he unfortunately became kind of a prisoner of his celebrity. Um, some love that magic Johnson used to love that stuff. Magic Johnson would purposefully go into a restaurant on Rodeo drive or Beverly Hills, which is Rodeo drive or, you know, uh, Marina del Rey or wherever one of the, you know, the hot spots of Los Angeles just to walk in and get that adultery uh, as Chris has, has, has improved my, uh, vocabulary over the last three years. Some people like it. Magic loved it. Some hated it. Michael Jordan hated it. But let's respect these guys. They're out with their significant other. Let's let them have a life. I know that I, when I walk into a restaurant, it's nothing. And that's the way it should be because nobody knows me. That's fine. But let's give these guys some respect. If they come in and they're looking for it and they start, that's one thing. But if they just want to have a quiet dinner with their significant other, I'm very... Uh, I'm very impressed with the Kansas City fans that they allowed him to do that. And their reward for it, 
free dinner on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I love that too. I don't like bothering celebrities if I run into them. I mean, if they're making themselves available, I and I really love them. Like Penn Jillette after the Penn and Teller show, they will stand. They just they intentionally go out there and they stand there. So oh, you, do they? Yeah, so that you can walk up and meet, and they will stand there until every single person who wants to meet them has met them. I have a question for you. Will in that kind of scenario, would um, the other guy, the short guy, would he say? Would he talk then? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Oh Teller, yeah Teller. So Teller talks except on stage, right? And like they've got a master class. You can so there's that website master class or whatever, and you can go and you know, like you have Steph Curry teach you how to play basketball or whatever, and they have all these. It's like a hundred bucks a course or something, and you can just have these guys teach stuff. So they teach magic, and he talks. I mean, he's as Penn admits, like Teller's the brains of the operation, right? And so uh, he talks in that one, or he's talked on TV a couple times in certain situations. He had one interview or like an in-depth interview but it's just part of his character for the show but well I, and i get that i understand that but i saw him excuse me in the last season of the big bang theory i was a big fan of the big bang theory and mm-hmm. he played the role of amy farrah fowler's father kathy bates was the mother as mm-hmm. they're wrapping the series up and i had never heard uh tell her speak now, does he talk in that one yes he does oh, okay. he's got speaking lines but when he spoke, my jaw hit the floor because I've been aware of him for 30 years, but I'd never heard him speak mm-hmm. a spoken word. And then when he did on The Big Bang Theory, I'm going, damn, he can speak. And it it was a normal tone. It was just a, a normal voice, oh, yeah. but it just was, it was just weird. It was just weird to it's, see. Yeah. It just weird to see him speak because everything that I had seen, whether it be on a television special or on stage one time in Vegas a hundred years ago, he never said a word. Yeah, no, they're very gracious and very accessible. And so in that situation, I went up to, and they both get long lines. Uh, and so I went up, I got a picture with Pan and just said hi and whatever. But uh, I, I don't like to meet celebrities. I don't like to bother them. And I also, and I mean, I don't worship them anyway. Even Pen, who I love, uh, you know, it's just, it doesn't work. I mean, let's let's say that Pen and I would be awesome friends if we were both celebrities and we met and we just got along great, which is certainly possible. But, I mean, even if that's the case, there's no way to convey that to somebody in two seconds. There's nothing you can say that would convey that properly. And and it might not even be true anyway. So it's just weird to bother celebrities. Like, yeah, if I if I was a celebrity yeah. and I saw another celebrity that I liked out and about and I, and I thought they might know me, then that's different, right? Sure. But I don't... And I would be... I would be more comfortable on the other side. Like if I was a celebrity and people are coming to me for autographs, that's a comfortable position to me. I I, I get that. I I'm very and what a lot of people I think this is the opposite of a lot of people. I'm very uncomfortable if I have to go up to a celebrity and get an autograph or like that's very very uncomfortable for me. But if people wanted to meet me and picture and talk and sort of that's incredibly comfortable for me. Mm. Right. And now, I mean, I'm not saying that I know what it's like to not be able to leave your house without paparazzi or fans or whatever. I'm not saying I would love that necessarily uh, as much as magic or somebody. But I'm saying that uh, the the initial act of someone getting an autograph or a picture, I would be much more comfortable being the celebrity than being the fan. Would you have that same rev- uh, that same hesitation in regard to uh, I know I know I know a guy uh, uh, that you are very. Uh, impressed with and a fan of Weird Al Yankovic. Would you have that same hesitation to approach Weird Al for an autograph or a selfie or something like that? It would pretty much have to be he's literally sitting at a 
at an autograph table to do autograph. He has to like that's what he's there for. Right. Okay. That I mean, it has to you be that before I you even wouldn't public. make a special trip to go over and and what you would perceive, I think, as bothering him. Yeah, it's probably not. I don't think it's you would be probably that way. not. I mean, and I mean, he'd be one of the. And there's very few celebrities I would even even if I got rid of that reservation. There's very few celebrities I'd want to talk to, even ones I like. Like most, I just wouldn't really want to uh, talk to them. Even like I just were ask them for something like it just okay so i get an autograph from somebody what do i do with it like right. I, I don't a picture like who do i show that like i don't know it's weird to me but uh if there was going to be a group uh like on one hand yeah maybe weird al would be one of them maybe and he is very kind and very approachable and humble and all that so maybe but i just why i, I never got into getting autographs as a kid i guess no like what do you, um, for what but what do, you do it for i am very honored to have the names that I have in my black book that I've kept to this day. Oh yeah, your black book's cool. That's neat, yeah. and that was practical. At, at oh, for sure, it was. For absolutely. Sure. So it, yeah, that's great. But, but that, but I, I know different scenario. But I, I was much more impressed with the names that I was able to accumulate in that book than any. I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. The only name that I can remember in my fifty-five years of life that I got an autograph was was my very first game when I was about this big. I was a little bit bigger than that. I think this was 1971 or two, so that would have made me seven or eight years old. And I got to go to my first Milwaukee Bucks game with my dad, and I got an autograph of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I sent for and received an autograph that I still have to this day in perfect mint condition. I have it under glass of Hank Aaron in a Atlanta Braves uniform. Not Milwaukee Braves? No. It was Atlanta Braves. It was, a, it was the, the team had moved. In 65, the team moved to Atlanta. And I, at, in 65, I'm only one years old. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know who Hank Aaron is. But uh, in the 70s, after he had surpassed Babe Ruth, I sent, as a kid, I got a hold of a book that had all the addresses of all the different teams in sports. And I wanted, so I sent out a letter, a handwritten letter, to the Atlanta Braves organization wondering if I could get an autographed picture of Hank Aaron and they sent me one with and, and I'll show it to you someday it's it's a treasure of mine that I'll never get rid of and um, but those are the only two autographs that I can remember ever getting yeah I don't geez I've got Bret Hart and I don't know about any other ones so yeah I it's funny actually when I got my picture with Penn he uh he just I got him to just sign the back of my iPad and then it oh, just yeah. it eventually wore off so it's not even there anymore but anyway whatever <laughs> okay I thought this was a funny prank I don't really care for pranks that much but I thought this one is funny this they had a guy who just he kept getting on the subway or on public transit somewhere and it was New York or where it is but he would just have he would have a big book with him and he'd be a different one every time and they'd be fake it would just be like and the cover would be something to get a reaction out of people. it would be something stupid or offensive or ridiculous just to see like some people would get there all offended looking and someone just laugh and whatever so how I make my candles by uh, Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. How to hold a fart in. <laughs> the joy of cooking meth. <laughs> Ass eating made simple. And people are just like, what? Math for non-Asians. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just trying to see some of these other ones. I'm just watching the video of like highlights of him. And, I, and sometimes a woman will do it too. 10,000 dick pics. <laughs> by uh, Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Why a woman's reading why women deserve less and this other woman's staring like what ever been with a black girl call me with the girl's number it's a black girl reading it that's funny uh unsightly genital rashes a coloring book 
<laughs> people are just, just like, some people get it and some are just like what some people would be offended yeah, yeah i can uh, see that hiding your erection from god um, <laughs> like it's, you can tell who the cool people are the ones who get it and they're just like okay that's funny and then the other people are just all i guess up. i'm cool because i think that's yeah. freaking hilarious 101 penis lengthening tips you can do at home and at the office uh and the other uh a thousand things to do before ISIS abducts you or something. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, anyway, it's a, I thought it was pretty fun. There's some, and it's, the reaction to people on the bus is great. <laughs> oh, I get it. I love it. When, I, if, like, if you saw that, you'd, you'd probably just start laughing. Oh, I'd laugh. <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee you I would laugh. I, you know, I, I come off as a, as a serious sometimes and, and deep thinker and all this other stuff. But you know what? One of the things through this whole unemployment thing that has kept me going is, uh, and I don't want to sound corny, but getting together with Chris every week has been a godsend. And I don't know if I would have been able to make it without this because it gave me an escape. It gave me the ability to get burn off some energy. It, it made my mind work a little bit. It's something I like to do. I don't know, uh, you know, who knows. Now that we're, we're finally back on the right side of things, um, I really appreciate that ability to have something to look forward to. But I can tell you, folks, that I love a good laugh. There is nothing that is more of a stress reducer than a good laugh. Um, whether it's something I see on a comedy network, whether it's something I see... With, with a tweet like that. Um, but I, I can tell you, there has been a lot of dark times in these last couple of years because I'm too old, um, I'm too expensive, um, I'm a health risk because of the heart attack, um, you know, all this other shit. Our mayor's a moron. Um, our prime minister is a moron. But, you know, all, of the, all the negativity for the last couple of years, a good laugh has really helped a lot. And if I saw something like that on public transportation, I would laugh my pants off. And if somebody was, you know, if if somebody was offended at that, go fuck yourself. <laughs> exactly. That's the theme of our show. If you're offended by shit, go fuck yourself. Yep. I think Greg is right. Our buddy Greg, I think we need to get some t-shirts made with go fuck yourself on them. Yeah. Uh, well, yours would say "go fuck yourself." Mine would say "shut the fuck up." Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to have them appropriate. Right, to we have to have. Well, yours would be bigger because of your arms <laughs> and your and the and and everything like that. But mine would definitely be in purple and gold, and it would say, "Yeah, go fuck yourself." Yeah, mm -hmm. and mine will be blue and orange, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah. Uh, and this wasn't one of the book Marketing covers. department, did you get that? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't one of the book covers. This is just a separate headline. I thought you'd like to know. You don't have to comment on it, but just Irish midget accused of posing as a leprechaun to extort sex from 26 women in exchange for pot of gold. And <laughs> so just in case, just in case you thought there weren't gullible people out there anymore, I can't believe this stuff works. And you know what? We got to look at this as a positive, actually. Like, you know what? People get discouraged so easily. How many times did someone say no to this guy or laugh? And he kept on, and he kept on going, plugging away. Yeah. Never say die. Never quit. Never give up. Yeah. And you can have sex with 26 women, even if you're an Irish midget. If you just say you're a leprechaun, promise them a pot of gold. I mean, you think he's worried about the rejections right now? No. No way. Not at all. Good for him. I'm happy for him. God bless him. Good on you. Was a God. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, the Onion oh. at the Onion. 
And for anyone who lived through the 80s, you'll really appreciate this one, but uh, CDC, so Center for Disease Control, urges Americans to just say no if friend offers them coronavirus. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't want to make light of this coronavirus um, because we are now seeing it creep into different sections of the world. I do know that the LPGA this week canceled a big tournament wow, oh, in really? China because oh, in of, China, yeah. well yeah because they were afraid of their their uh, uh the members of the uh, the women golfers being exposed to the chance of contracting this disease it's a very serious thing folks we're not making fun of it um but it does have a ringy title the coronavirus um it makes you want to stick a lime in and have yeah. a good time but uh in all seriousness please protect yourself uh, from this stuff, um, you know, um, you know, um, I got to, uh, I'll tell you later. I can't tell you this. I'll, I, I will, but off air, I'll okay, tell you later. Okay, but uh, yeah, no jokes about the coronavirus. It's just uh, a funny way of, of uh, having it portrayed. And again, all we're looking for is a laugh and some good times. Okay, so uh, a lot of people on Twitter this week were going through and they had a list of uh, these certain sports here and you had to list your favorite all-time player in each one. So you and I can each do it. So we yes. don't need an explanation. We'll just just say Good. the name. All right. Okay. All-time favorite player in each sport. NBA. Okay. NBA. Jordan. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jordan too. NFL. NFL. I got so many. Uh, my favorite player. Um, it's a tie. I'm going to go with two. Um, I'm a huge fan of Brett Favre. And I was a huge fan of Jerry Rice. Love Jerry Rice. Oh, uh, yeah. Got to love Jerry Rice. I'm going to go with Peyton Manning. CFL. Doug Flutie. That's a good one. I'm going to go with Don Narcisse, uh, the former wide receiver for, oh, for the Saskatchewan the Rough Riders. That's number 80. Number 80, exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah. I loved the, the, the turkey walk. Yeah, yeah. The, the great, I like great, great receiver. Great receiver. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah, yeah he so really good. was good. All right. Here, I don't know who I'll say for this. Uh, Major League Baseball. All-time favorite player. Well, I, I'm playing the homer card here, but uh, my favorite player as a baseball player growing up was Robin Yunt, who won the MVP for the Milwaukee Brewers as a shortstop in the early 80s. And then because of arm trouble, he was moved to center field and won the MVP in center field too. So a lot of people don't know about Robin Yunt, but he was the first ballot Hall of Famer, won two MVPs in a small market, and... Uh, Robin Yunt was a great, uh, was a great, great player, and he was my hero growing up. Obviously, in the state of Wisconsin. Well, even though he's before my time, fuck it, I'm going with Pete Rose. There, there you go. go. There you go. And, and good choice. And I mean, I did get to see him. He's had lots of hilarious things on uh, WWE television that he's done over the years, so that's fun. But uh, yeah, just uh, just uh, you know, a fun guy. And I've even recent interviews with him just seems like a, just a just a cool guy. Yeah, right? absolutely nice guy. I just you know what I do have to say this though, it is unbelievably humbling to see baseball's all-time hit leader sit at a little desk in the forum shops yeah. in in Caesars schlepping autographs. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. That is so disrespectful for a guy who should have been in the fucking Hall of Fame 30 years ago. Yeah, that's right. All right, boxing. Well... I've got two, but I'm going to name one, and I'm going to name one this guy because just that I had interaction with him, and you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. But for me, 
because I got to meet this guy and he treated me unbelievably well, I'm going with Iron Mike Tyson because I've had a personal interaction with him and it's something that I'll never forget. So uh, I know a lot of people will say Ali and they'll go a lot of different ways. But for me, when you're asking me the question, I've got to go with Mike Tyson. That's a good one. I might say Floyd Mayweather. I'm not I'm not saying as as a person, but as as a competitor. Right. Oh, for sure. I 50 mean, and 0. Yeah. 50 and 0. And, but not I don't like to just pick guys just because they win, but I mean he really was the best. He worked the hardest and he had the best defense. Yeah. And that's so overlooked and I loved that he followed the lead of guys like Muhammad Ali who followed the lead of guys like you know, Rick Flair who followed the lead of guys like Gorgeous George and go back as far as you want and these guys that knew how to talk and you know, everyone just it just made everyone underrate him. Or they were, people have a tendency to, and this is such a sports betting mistake, and this is why I'm picking the Niners tomorrow, because people have a tendency to bet on and predict what they want to happen. Right. And it's the biggest mistake, and it's the dumbest mistake you can make. So, uh, I and, you know, everyone just kept, oh, he's going to get knocked out. or You're not paying attention, right? Floyd Mayweather's so much better than everyone. They don't even touch him. They never mind beat him. Like, they don't even touch well, him. Isn't that the most amazing thing about Floyd Mayweather, though? In 50 fights, you never saw him leave the ring bloodied in a mess. Never, never. He, just, he left prettier than when he came in. Which is why his nickname was Pretty Boy Floyd until he just, uh, you know, he made so much money, he adopted the Money Mayweather right, thing and right. had to do that whole thing. But other than that, if it wouldn't have been for that whole thing, he was Pretty Boy Floyd right. because he never got touched. That's right. You know, Absolutely. He, he was a master of going back with your punch so it didn't hurt him or, uh, you know, having his chin against his shoulder so you couldn't even punch his chin. It would You'd hit the shoulder, if anything. Uh, he would, you know, go back and forth and make your punches sort of roll off. He had all these amazing techniques. Yep. and people, Technician. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's the greatest boxing technician, certainly defensive technician. No one else is even close. Yep. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, Mayweather That's there. a good point. Good choice. Okay. Uh, mixed martial arts. Do you have a favorite, like, UFC fighter or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah. I, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm going on my recent indoctrination, sure, sure. and I'm going with Conor McGregor because he is electrifying. He is stupefying. He is a lot of things. But the, the biggest thing for me and what drew me in um, and, and makes me want to learn more about it is that he, he's just intriguing. He's just, you, you're, you're wondering what he's going to do next. Good, bad, or indifferent. You're wondering what he's going to do next. And for a lot of different reasons. And part of it is, I don't know a lot of the good ones. I know who not to like as the guy who's fighting next week. And see, I wouldn't have known that before I met you. I wouldn't have known that John Jones is fighting next week in UFC 247. But because I've gotten that indoctrination from you and I've gotten a little bit of knowledge from a lot of different avenues since we started this, but you put that to my head, I'm going to say Conor McGregor. It's an easy choice, but for me, it's the right choice. That's actually a tough one. I don't really have a favorite fighter. Uh, maybe Daniel Cormier, maybe. I mean, I like Conor McGregor too. Uh, boy, who else? I, I'm starting to like Tony Ferguson. I wouldn't, he couldn't be my favorite, but I really think he's going to beat Habib's ass. And, and, and it's, and I don't like to say that against an undefeated guy, but who's 26 and over 28 and over whatever right, he is now. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, so I'm starting to like him cause he's a badass. And, uh, there's guys I like, certainly, you know, you like GSP, he's cool or whatever, but, uh, 
yeah, John Jones, once again, fighting someone that no one's ever heard of. Uh, you know, John Jones winning the AFC East every year. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, I'm just so tired of it. Like, oh, I hate that he's in that division. But anyway, I just want to see him go to heavyweight because I don't believe he's going to go undefeated if he ever has the balls to go to heavyweight. He won't do that. Uh, I, I think he might go to heavyweight. I really? Think there's a chance. There's a chance. Okay. There's a chance. If they pay him enough money, sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then how about, and this will be a tougher one for you and f- and for me for different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, favorite pro wrestler? Favorite pro wrestler? Um, I'm going with Brett the Hitman Hart. And the reason I'm going with Brett the Hitman Hart is he lives in Calgary, but none of that crap. I met him in a Chapters bookstore here in Calgary a couple years ago. And he has a personal relationship with my brother-in-law, Sid. They wrestled together in that basement at the hard house in the dungeon. You've been there, I know. I have not, but my brother-in-law, Sid, has. He's the the former owner of the Regal Beagle Bars here in town. But I got to meet him, and he was engaging. He was kind. Um, He wasn't looking good. I know he wasn't feeling good, but... He answered my couple of stupid questions. I have great respect for Brett the Hitman Hart. He stood up against every, all the naysayers in his wrestling career, and uh, I have great respect for somebody that sticks to his morals and sticks to his values, and for that reason, and again, my personal interaction, the one time in the Chapters Bookstore here in Calgary, he was kind, he was, he was approachable, and for those reasons, I'm saying Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, he was my favorite for a long time growing up as well. He was a hero of mine. Uh, I'm actually going to... This question for me is so massive. You have no idea, but... Well, I get that. I mean, I I think about Japan, and I think about the whole world and every decade, and... But you've played played in the sandbox with these guys. Yeah, yeah, and I've met some as well, and... I mean, it's it's a it's an almost impossible question for me, but I'll just say the name that comes to mind for me is Mister Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Kurt Hennig, yeah, yeah. and uh, from Minnesota. From Minnesota, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, he would just I, I loved him, and he was uh, I, I wish he would have been uh, I wish he would have if he wouldn't have well, first of all, he was getting old, but I mean, he died in oh three or whatever, and I wish he would have if he could have been alive and wrestling a little longer, he would have gotten into some really interesting matchups, some really great guys, and uh, his. He never really had a lot of epic matches with a lot of great near falls, and I think he would have been really great like that. And so I wish he would have been around a little longer or a little later, and uh, that would have been great. But he's the one who comes to mind for me for whatever reason. Uh, all right. So, oh, by the way, uh, all the best to uh, Bret Hart. He just announced that he's got some skin cancer. Oh, God. So um, so that he just announced that the other, was it yesterday or the day before, I think. So uh, all our best wishes to Bret the Hitman Hart. So skin cancer is, you know, not it's, the worst it's one It's curable, there. but it's just another hurdle for him. He's yeah. had an unbelievable run of, of injuries and illnesses the last number of years, and he just keeps going through like a trooper. And again, just to echo Chris's statements, uh, Best wishes to Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, and and by the way, he uh, so he showed the picture. I think it's like his upper, like sort of left trap, left shoulder. He showed where you know it was a big freckle type thing, and it was really red. So I've had a few removed in my life. I don't know if most people realize how many freckles I really have on my body. I have a lot, and uh, so uh, I mean, in two, around two thousand three, I had this massive one. I don't know what it was. It was like a misshapen, kind of miscolored one. I had that cut out of my back. And then I've had a couple smaller ones over the years. I had one weird one on my chest. And now what I've started doing the last couple of years 
2018 and 2019, I've started going for annual checkups to a dermatologist, specifically where they literally have a specialist look at every freckle on your body and check them all out. And then they just, they just quickly cut out the ones, takes two seconds, like they just cut out yeah. the ones that are that are uh, no good or whatever they're worried about potentially. And it's not always the ones you would look at. I've, I have one that's like raised off the skin. They're not worried about that one. I have darker ones they're not worried about or bigger ones they're not worried about, but then they'll see, I guess you have to have the trained eye. They'll right. have, they'll see, you know, but this one, I don't like this one. And okay. So they just cut it out. And wow. so it's anyone who does have any amount of uh, freckles, uh, I would, uh, I would get encourage them checked you, up. I would encourage you to start doing uh, annual checkups for sure. And just have them take a look at everything. It's a real quick and easy. They, 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 they use the tiniest little needle. They freeze you real quick and then they cut it off and it's, it's no problem. Done so, and done. Yeah, you bet. So, okay. Uh, favorite golfer of all time. Oh, uh, well, um, I mean, I, I'm torn between the guy that has 73 career wins and the guy that, and, and 18 major championships and the guy that's got 82 wins and, and 15 major championships. Um, I grew up in the Nicholas era and, uh, later in life have, have been through the tiger era. Um, I don't like what tiger did, uh, in, in 2009. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that was disgusting. Um, yes, injuries have derailed him a lot, but if we have to pick one because of those, uh, I have to go with Mr. Nicholas because Mr. Nicholas, um, has had just turned 80 years old and has a unbelievable reputation still to this day with his, his wife, Barbara, uh, raised six children um, 73 wins. We know that the 18 major championships. And if you count his two us, his two us amateur championships, which they used to do, but they don't anymore. The number would be 20. Um, and the most impressive thing to me, I think about Jack Nicholas is he ended up second 37 times in major championships. So he had, he's won 18, but think about what the number, if he could have... It was first or second, 19, or it was second or better, 37 thir- times. That's right. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. I, I get the number right. But anyway, regardless, if he is able to bring half of those home, we're not even talking about Tiger Woods yeah. having a chance. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm more impressed with his work with the uh, Children's Hospitals of South Florida and in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, his hometown. And uh, I think... Because of those things I've mentioned, I have to, in my opinion, I have to give the nod to Mr. Nicholas. Sure. I wanted to thank Arnold Palmer for popularizing half iced tea, half lemonade, because right. that's still one of my favorite drinks. If I'm somewhere and I want to order a drink, I don't feel like getting booze. I'll just order one of those. It's a really handy thing. So I love that. I remember liking Greg Norman a lot when I uh, grew up, but uh, I, I really do like Jack Nicholas a lot because... I love that final visual of him with his last putt ever. Yes. And, and, he, and it's a crazy curve to the right, and he nails it perfectly, and as it's going in, he holds up the left. I just, what a perfect way to go out. I mean, just just flawless. And so I always like that. I think that's a, the mark of a true great when you just have that enduring visual, especially on your last shot ever. When he won the 86 Masters at 46, and the way he played shooting 39, or excuse me, 31 on the back nine is what I meant to say, to overtake Greg Norman and others, I just think that that is something that we'll always remember. As long as I, as long as I have marbles in my head, I'm going to remember April of 1986 because 
of what Jack Nicklaus did one April afternoon at Augusta. And uh, I think Tiger will win another major championship. I don't think he catches Mr. Nicklaus's 18, but I truly believe that that will be an iconic image in a lot of golf fans is on the 17th hole. And you heard, you've heard this, even, you know, you've heard this where Vern Lundquist, who I think is one of my broadcasting legends is on the tower that day for CBS sports. And when Nicholas rolls in the putt on 17 and he says, yes, sir. And then, and then Nicholas oh, yeah, is, Nicholas is raising his right arm at the same time where Vern Lundquist is saying, yes, sir. With an emphatic, sir. Yeah. I'll never forget that. As long as I have marbles in my head, that was the 18th and final major championship of Mr. Nicholas's career. And I just, I will always remember that. Yeah, that's true. Anyone who has a conversation about the greatest golfer of all time and doesn't bring up Jack Nicholas is not a serious person. And, it's and you just, know, there yeah. are going to be a lot of people that are older than us and even older than I that will say Arnold Palmer because Arnold Palmer was big at the time we're, we're introducing television into... Mm-hmm. You know, a part of golf viewership, if you will, and obviously Arnie and and his army and and his famous swing and puffing a cigarette, walking down and just you know and always dressed beautifully with the sweaters and everything. But you know, and I say this with all respect, when you're talking about the greatest golfer, uh, Nicholas with 18 major champion, and you're and you know what you're you are, you're place of greatness in professional sports in my opinion goes with championships one and especially in golf major championships one and 18 for nicholas and six and 15 right now for woods and next in line would probably be walter hagan's 11 or 12 and you've got tom watson at nine but down the list a little bit arnold palmer only at seven and i say that with all respect only seven most golfers won't get to seven but there's two things that are of that are missing on Mr. Palmer's resume. Mr. Palmer never won a USO, never won a PGA championship. He won the other three. Okay, he won the Masters a number of times. He won the U.S. Open. He won the British Open. Never won the PGA championship. Should have a couple times, but came up short. I think to put yourself in that category of greatness, you've got to have won all four. You've got to have won the career Grand Slam. And I think when Rory McIlroy, when he ultimately wins a master to complete his Grand Slam, when Brooks Kepka, who's the best right now, wins a master's and then ultimately wins a British Open, that will catapult him to another stratosphere. Brooks has got a lot of time left, but I think you've got to complete, you know, the the full circle you've got to have won all four to be considered one of the, one of the big guys in golf. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I, I would say Brooks Koepka would be my favorite uh, if I had to make a decision right now. Uh, all right, let's go uh, hockey player. Well, I didn't have a lot of exposure to to hockey as a kid. Um, we would get an occasional Chicago Blackhawks game at this time on WGN, but not very rarely. I remember watching Bobby Hull. I remember watching Stan Mikita um, in my very earliest days, not quite understanding what they're doing, but I remember watching them. But obviously for me, um, and this was solidified, and I said it on earlier one of our uh, shows this week, when I got to meet one of the greatest individual 
people. I don't give a flying rat's ass about what he did on the ice. He's just a nice person. Mr. Wayne Gretzky, um, I remember being scared. And you had talked about in one of our earlier episodes about how you don't, and, I, and I'm right there with you, about approaching celebrities. Well, I'll tell you something. Um, when I walked up on the driving range at Valley Ridge Golf and Country Club here in Calgary, I was doing the development at that time. And I thought, you know, Wayne Gretzky was playing my golf course because I had something to do with the redesign of that golf course. And obviously it's not my golf course, but I had, I spent a lot of time and a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And to go up and see Wayne Gretzky warming up on our driving range. And I very and very scared. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, this is 2003. So I'm, so that's what, how many years ago? 17, 17 years wow. ago. So I'm 38 years old. I'm just about the same age you are. And I was legitimately shaking going up. And I went up there and extended my hand. And I said, Mr. Gretzky, it's an honor. And he says, Mr. Gretzky lives in Brantford, Ontario. I'm Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. That's my favorite hockey player. And I don't give it, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I don't give a damn what he did on the ice. I know what he did on the ice. The greatest individual hockey player ever. But from that personal encounter with number 99, that makes him one of my favorite people, period. Yeah. Wayner would be my favorite too, to be for the same reason as Peyton Manning, just because. Uh, you know, just to be the smartest athlete. I mean, Wayne was never the biggest or the fastest or the strongest at all. He was never even close to any of those things. But he was just so much smarter than everyone else on the ice. And just to watch just such a virtuoso performance every night was just really amazing as a kid growing up, for sure. Uh, and I guess you probably don't have a famous uh, a favorite tennis player then, I suppose. Oh, I do. Oh, you do? Who's oh, that? yeah, absolutely. Who's that? Um, I really like John McEnroe. Um <laughs> I I I like John McEnroe because John McEnroe, even though he came from a very privileged upbringing, he doesn't portray that on the on the on the tennis court. I like Jimmy Connors too. They were combative. They would tell the the linesman or the the referee or whatever the hell they call him in tennis. They he would tell them to fuck off, and I respect that. I really <laughs> that do. Great. I I I. You know, I think that tennis players are are generally probably too nice of guys, but you certainly couldn't say that about McEnroe and Jimmy Connors, and that's why I like those two. But McEnroe was my favorite because McEnroe's a New Yorker. McEnroe had an attitude out there. He was a pretty damn good player, and but his tirades against anything and everything on that playing surface. It could be the referee. It could be the other team's, the other guy's coach. It could be a fan in the stands. It doesn't matter. Everybody was fair game when John McEnroe played tennis. And especially it was special to watch John McEnroe when the U.S. Open was played because the U.S. Open is played in Flushing, New York, which is a home game for John McEnroe. And that's when I think you saw Johnny Mac at his very best. I loved Johnny McEnroe. All right. I'm just going to go with Roger Federer there because he's just so good and just so consistent and just so classy. So I'm going to go with him. All right. I know that we're going a bit long here just because uh, I I know the favorite thing ended up going way longer than I intended. But uh, just a couple left here. Let's go with uh, these two here. So uh, this is a comedian you might know, Ron White at Ron underscore White. Oh, I love Ron White. Okay. Well, he says, turns out impeachment hearings aren't as interesting without the (laughs) blowjobs. Um, I heard this week that uh, something's happened in the U.S. Senate, I believe, 
where they're not going to allow some testimony in regard. It's over. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Yeah, it's over. And Mr. Trump will not face impeachment. So all those people that thought that the 45th president of the United States was as good as gone, uh, uh-uh. uh, and he will, I truly believe, will win again in in November. Oh, he's there's. Yeah, it's not even a question. On Ron, <laughs> on Ron White, <laughs> on Ron Wright, real quick. Um, I was first introduced to Ron White when he'd sit there. Remember when? And this was in his early his early gigs where he'd sit there with a with a glass of booze and a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think the humor you had to listen to him to get it. But I really listened to him, and I really appreciate. And you know, Ron White has taken all his success, and now he owns a big, huge ass mansion in Beverly Hills, and he's proud to talk about it. And uh, good for him. He's a guy that that came from nothing and he's built himself up. And you know he had help from from Larry the Cable Guy and especially Jeff Foxworthy, oh, yeah. obviously, oh, yeah. and Bill Engvall. But my God, Ron Ron White has done amazingly well, and uh, I'm proud of him. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed some Ron White. He doesn't actually have a lot of material, and he's not one of those comics who reinvents himself all the time. He's got his same few jokes, and he sure. just and he and they were really good, and he just he rode them, and that was good. But I've seen him be good. I like when the four of them, the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, they hosted the uh, the, the Foxworthy roast, actually. They they hosted it, and they've had some other good appearances. I like when he makes fun of the other guys on there, like you'll say to Bill Engvall. You know, Bill Engvall, when he runs his hand through his hair, it falls right into place, the sink, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or I know my one buddy, uh, Jeff, up in Edmonton, he... He loves the one Ron White line. I think when he's getting kicked out of a bar or something, and he's like, I didn't know how many of those bouncers it would take to kick my ass, but I knew how many they were going to use. Yeah. <laughs> I got to ask you a question. I don't know. Yeah. You were the one that, that tuned me up that Mitch Hedberg had passed, yeah. and I didn't know that, and he's been gone for 10 years. That's 50, how, oh, 50, uh, well, whatever. I think. Whatever 15, it is. Yeah. He's been gone for a while. I still listen to him and enjoy him. On Again, on free plug for Sirius here, but I listened the other day to Andrew Dice Clay. Mm-hmm. I loved the Clay. I loved the loved Dice, Dice Man. Really? I loved the Dice Man. Really? I met him. Judy and I had been married maybe a year, and we were living in Vegas, and we went to L.A. for a weekend, and out on Venice Beach, she and I got a picture with the Dice Man. And I, I just... But the thing that... I don't know what's happened to him. He doesn't do gigs anymore. I don't know what's happened to him, but his... Hickory dickory dock, the thing went suck my, you know, yep. and I mean, it's just hilarious. And I know some people, my wife included, think he's filthy and vulgar and all this other stuff. But you know what? He's funny. He's consistent. And if you can't take his humor, then don't listen to him. But I really was a huge Dice Man fan, and I wish I knew what happened to him because I would listen to him again. I remember in probably the mid-90s, I was looking at the TV guide back when that existed. Uh, I don't think it... Does it exist? Maybe it does exist. No, I don't think so. Oh, who knows? Anyway, but I was looking at that, and I remember they were promoting some new show he was going to be in, and it showed him as... It was a completely serious show, as like a family man, like hugging the wife, and he was called Andrew Clay. Yeah. And it was like, oh, are you kidding me? (laughs) Really? But you know what? I, I didn't care that he was vulgar and all that stuff. I just... I, he didn't resonate with me. Like, it, sure. just, it just didn't hit me right. right. And I'm just like, 
I just didn't get anything out of it personally. It's yeah. just a personal sure. taste thing. I didn't give a shit that he was vulgar at all, but just wasn't my cup of tea, the Dice Man. But was he just walking around? Just happened to be walking around? And- he was walking around Venice Beach, and I recognized him right away. And I this was one time that for some reason, and maybe it was because I was having to bag too, because we were in, you know, Venice Beach is famous for a lot of things, Muscle Beach and the yeah, basketball yeah. courts, but they also have a great array of different bars and restaurants. And we were visiting a lot of them that particular day and uh, I think I was probably very relaxed and I saw Dice Man and I just ran out of this bar that we were in and I introduced myself no inhibitions and he was very engaging and then Judy came out and I said Dice Man can we get a picture with you and he says no but then he would take a picture of Judy and I he wouldn't get in a picture with us Oh, okay. but he would take a picture of Judy and I that's fine but um, I just for some reason, for me, the Dice Man worked. And I don't know what's happened to him. Um, I kind of expected you were going to say that he passed away in a car accident or no, something. But, but, I mean, can he? if he tried that now, it just wouldn't work. It oh, would, I don't... It, uh, just, it just would be... Uh, I, it, I, I would actually, to be honest, I would... I would like him now more than ever if he would come out and just do that and everyone be freaking out and posting everything because people are so sensitive and offended all the time now. Yeah. I, would, I would actually like him now if he performed now. Yeah. That's what I would like to yeah. see. Anyway, okay. I know we got a bit long, so here's the last one I want to go over. I, I have to do this with you. I just thought this was so interesting. So mixtape at mixtape show. Basketball in North Korea is absolute chaos. So I'm going to go over four different rules that basketball in North Korea has that you won't be familiar with. All right. So I want you to I want to know what you think about each of these four rule modifications okay. in North Korean basketball. All right. Number 1. Slam dunks are worth 3 points. Well, because they're so small, they can't slam dunk. Well, but I think I don't know if they, do they bring in tall guys to play? I don't know, but I I have no I, idea. I, assume it, I, I I was thinking of it more like not that it was difficult, but more that it was maybe due to just to make the game more exciting and get more slams. Well, I, I think somewhere in there, there's must be when you talk about basketball in North Korea, there's got to be some connectivity between Dennis Rodman yeah, and the yeah. leader of North Korea. I can't remember his name. Kim. Though, Kim yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, but I I. Okay, three points for a jam slam dunk. I but, like okay, it. Let, let's do it this way. I want to see what you would think. And ignoring that it would mess up records and everything, how would you think, do you think basketball would be better, worse, more fun, more exciting, more, uh, just less exciting? Like what if you made in the NBA slam dunks worth three points? I think you'd have to raise the, the, the hoop or the rim to 12 feet. Yeah, well, maybe, okay. And then you get a reward. Because, listen, in this day and age, because of the kids' ability to jump like they do these days and because they work out like demons and all this other stuff, guys that are not much taller than me, all right, somewhat taller than me, I'm five foot nine at best, but a guy that's six one, six two can jam. It's, yeah. not, it's, nothing, it's nothing special anymore. Um, but if you raised it to 12 feet, then it would be something special because then... That's excluding the guys that are six two and below. Um, then I think it would be uh, be something more special. But what about just to what if you're purely doing it just to promote exciting highlights in the game where everyone's just trying to do dunks all day? I I think that's that's redundant. I'm sure I, I assume that's what North Korea. Yeah, is trying well to do. maybe I just think that's redundant. Okay. That I mean any you know what 
a guy like me can sit there on an on a on an eight foot hoop, you know that 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 hoop that I have in my front yard. I can adjust that thing. Oh yeah, and I can make myself look like Dominique Wilkins, and 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 I just but it's at it's at seven and a half feet, yeah. so no big deal. Okay, so anyway, so yeah, slam dunks worth three points. <laughs> Field goals in the final three minutes of the game, instead of being worth two points, they're worth eight points. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, so I think you're that's never a bit. Out of the game. Yeah, I think that's a bit. That's much. ridiculous. That's a bit quadrupling much. how much a bucket yeah, is worth in the final. That's three a minutes. bit much. Uh, they got a point spread that they have to get the over. Yeah, three pointers are worth four points if the ball if it's a swish. Who determines that? I mean, I mean, well, if it doesn't touch the rim, if okay. you can, well, yeah. yeah, if it doesn't touch the rim on the way in, it just per- cleanly and without touching the rim, it's worth four instead of three if it's a three point. Uh, that, that's that. I don't. I don't agree with that. Yep. I don't agree. with and that. And a point is deducted for missed free throws. You know what? I th- I one. I like that. That's that's an interesting. I, that's one. an interesting one because then that would make the participants get better at free throw shooting. You've heard me talk about Giannis and his free yeah, throw hack shooting. Hack Giannis and yeah, hack a shack and all that. If you don't, if you if if Giannis can't get to seventy percent, then the Bucks are going to have trouble in the postseason because teams will employ a hack a shack kind of thing. I like that last one. I think that if you if you can shoot, let's look at it this way: if you can shoot forty percent from the field, all right. Inside the three-point line, you can shoot 40%. And if you're from 35 and over percent from the three-point line, you should be able to hit, in my opinion, you should be able to hit 75% from the charity stripe. Nobody's bothering you there on the charity stripe. If you can hit, like last year, Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks, who's now playing for the Indiana Pacers, was in a very elite company last year because he hit 50, 40, 90. And that meant he was 50% or greater from the field. He was over 40% from beyond the three-point line, and he was 90% from the from the free throw line. I think if you can hit 50% from the field and over 35 to 40% from the three from beyond the three-point arc, you should be able to hit at least 75% of your free throws. And if you can't, then I love that penalty. I really do. Um, we went a little bit long, but who the hell cares? We can do that here at Unscripted. Um, that's the beauty of this. But we do have to put a wrap on this very entertaining 455th episode of our little program. And thank you very much. That was a great addition there with the best of. I think we had some great answers and some great, uh, great reasons as to why these particular people. I'm glad you didn't bring up uh, the LPGA, though. I, I really appreciate that. Because there, <laughs> I'm going for cute. Yeah, and that would be Jan Stevenson. I don't give a damn. She didn't do anything. Oh, okay, I'll Google she her. Was, she's hot. Well, she played in the 70s. Oh. So she's not as good looking as she was then. But you should have seen Jan Stevenson hit a golf ball. Remember a girl by the name of Natalie Gulbis? Yeah. Okay. This girl kicked the hell out of Natalie Gulbis. Oh, yeah. Gulbis. Natalie Gulbis was on Celebrity Apprentice. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah. Mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got to run on this 455th episode of Unscripted. As always, we want to thank you for participating and uh, uh, thank Chris for a great week of shows this week. A lot of fun. And uh, after everything I've been through these last couple of weeks, and now this next week is going to be dealing with insurance companies. Oh my God, I'm going to have to start drinking again. Um, We want to thank everybody and uh, hope that you continue to join us here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris four times a week. Thank you very much for doing so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time. That was awesome. That was fun.